I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. And we have, we have just Eddie. It's Eddie Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Murray. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vinson. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Sordo, Rowers Choice. And this is another podcast. We are so close to number 100. And we're going now Midwest. Now, the trend lately has been young coaches just starting their careers out. This one is slightly different. And actually, he started at the current place he's at now before some of these coaches were born. <laughs> Think about that. But this is Martin Stone, head coach of the women's rowing program at Notre Dame. We're going to be talking about a number of things from the first stroke that he took all the way to his 20-something year career at Notre Dame. Martin, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. This is a pleasure. This is this is exciting because, you know, I, I don't get a chance, at least lately, we haven't had a chance to talk to somebody who's been doing this longer than most coaches today have been alive. Right. Now, I'm not putting your eight down. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. Uh, but, Martin, we start every podcast the same. And I want to know, how old were you and where were you when you took that first rowing stroke? That's a good question. I, like many people, was a freshman in college at St. Mary's College in California in the fall of 1985. I remember walking across the quad and they had a Casper four sitting in the quad. And so I looked at it and they were looking for people. Uh, truthfully, I was, uh, I was tall, uh, severely, I don't know, severely, but overweight. And uh, like, okay, I'll give this a try. And I've always been kind of that person. I'd give something a try. And so vanned out to Brioni's Reservoir and I was hooked, got in a wooden Pocock 8. Um, I think it would have been even wooden oars at the time for the novices, right? Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, no shoes, the clogs. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that was that. And then, then I was hooked. I was, it did something to me. And I don't know what, but uh, it was life changing for me from then on. And, uh, yeah. So I just kept kind so, of going with it. So you were, you, you said you're overweight. Uh, you know, I always, now I always want to know, like, why does somebody choose to go to school? Like, why do they choose that school? So why did you choose St. Mary's in California? And, and what lifestyle were you leading that you were overweight at the time? Okay. Um, I'm from Northern California originally from uh, Sonoma County area. So it was one of those. And I'd gone to, although not Catholic, I'd gone to a Catholic high school and we looked at different schools and I just coming over the coming over the hill into Moraga and looking over the same areas. I'm like, wow, I really like this. And um, just kind of went for it. And uh, uh, yeah, and I don't know, I was sedentary, I think. I played golf. That was my sport in high school. I just wasn't really into it. And uh, then we started rowing and it just changed me. I started running and like I'd probably drop like 40 pounds my freshman year. And so... I was uh, went from like 220 to 180. I'm like, wow, this is a pretty good feeling. What uh, what kind of success did you have at St. Mary's back in the in the late 80s? Well, we thought it was great, but on a national scale, it was very limited. That was very regional on what it was, but uh, it was fun. And I think more than anything, I had internal success on myself and being with my teammates and just the camaraderie of being being together with people. Now, what about like, so you, you, you go to St. Mary's, you love the atmosphere, you love the scene, you're from, you're from Sonoma. What was, cause you're a crew coach now. So like, what was your major? What were you focusing on at college? Yeah. 
I was essentially a great books major. So not really good at anything, but really interested in a lot of things. And the ability to learn probably taught me more than anything else to learn. Uh, it's called the integral, it was the integral program at St. Mary's. And there's only two places. I think it was, or maybe there's three. There's uh, St. Mary's has it. St. John's in Annapolis is that's what it's dedicated to. And I think there's another school in maybe New Mexico or Texas that follows it. So it was a great books program. Started from the very beginning with the Iliad and the Odyssey and worked our way through. So if I had done that, my parents were like, what on earth are you doing? Like, what is your career focus right. studying the Iliad and the Odyssey? So like, what, what was the goal there? Like, what were you planning on uh, doing? We weren't sure. I was, the, I'm the first generation to go to college. So we weren't sure. And it was just, um, let's go and see. So I think we're probably law school. A lot of people go to law school after it. So that was part of it. But, um, I think rowing kind of hooked me and, uh, after I graduated, I went back to the, my summer job and uh, then came back that fall and started coaching at St. Mary's, part-time coaching, working on the golf course in Moraga. And uh, so I could coach in the afternoons and uh, uh, learned, a lot, learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes, but learned a lot and uh, kept going. You know, I love, so um, I had a crew coach at, at uh, GW. Uh, Greg Meyer was my coach sure. there for three years. And he was a psychology major. And I kind of I kind of get a sense that the great books major is similar to that. Like you're learning a lot about human nature and you're learning a lot about what it takes to communicate to somebody. And out of all the coaches I ever had, Greg was a guy that just understood people, you know, and he could sit me down and have that deep conversation, especially at, for a 20 year old, right? That you're just kind of learning things. I'd imagine that you have a similar approach to your athletes. Uh, I think so. I think I, um, I like to learn. I, like, I, I absorb, I absorb information, right? I listen to your podcast. I listen to all the other rowing podcasts and everything like that. Um, and then I like to learn about our team. I can learn about each athlete and what, uh, where she's from, what's like, what her major is. And we have good discussions, uh, about what she's, what she's doing outside of rowing. Right. So love that. Now you, 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 you said something. So this is like, probably like what, 1988, 89, mm -hmm. you, you're deciding that you're going to be a part-time crew coach, part-time. You, so you work on the golf course. So yep. many coaches in this little sport, in this fringe sport of rowing has to do something else, right. To make, to make ends meet. And you clearly were doing that in the late eighties. Right. You loved rowing so much. You love coaching so much that, but it wasn't putting food on the table. Right. Um, Not at all. Was it, was it <laughs> not at all? Was it that first year that you were like, hey, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, I need to be doing this forever. Um, I don't know. I think it just changed, rowing just changed me in college. So it was just something that like became part of me and I became part of it. So just to do whatever I could. So um, I guess, so it would have been like in 90, in the spring of 90, we are racing and uh, I still coaching in St. Mary's and I met Ken Dreyfus who was coaching at Stanford. Um, he ended up going to Navy in the, in that fall and then called and said, Hey, there's a, um, like intern position to coach the Navy, the plead lightweights at Navy. So I went out and I interviewed and they hired. So in the fall of 90, I moved to, or in December of 90, I packed up everything in my car, my Honda Accord and drove across country. And, um, again, worked for pretty much nothing and just, survived to coach at the Naval Academy. So um, 
it was pretty good. I live, I live, I live a stone throw away from the Naval Academy. So I had moved, yeah, I had moved to Annapolis in 2016. And uh, funny enough, a little connection that you and I have, when I started coaching, I was like, man, I want to make this the rest of my life. And this is before finish line. This is before Rover's Choice. And I had a winter slash fall internship with the Naval Academy for like a good two months of coaching on that cold water on the Severn. Right. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to ever do this again. It, it, was, so, <laughs> it was so miserable. It was so cold. The The boathouse is stunningly beautiful. I don't think people oh, really yeah. appreciate what the Naval Academy has. Um, was, was the boat, the current boathouse, and I should know this, was it there in 1990, 91? Yes, it, it was there. Uh, and then it went through a renovation 94 or something like that but it was its current it was there it was just different after, after the renovation i think they renovated it again later on but what's um, your what's your favorite spot in annapolis did you uh were there places that you would go and hang out uh on the weekends or nights uh not too much i think downtown was there armadillos is that a place down there it is a, yeah it is a, yeah it is a place yeah uh, um <laughs> trying to think awesome. i haven't i haven't been back in a while so <laughs> So funny. Okay. So how long were you at the Naval Academy? Uh, from the fall of, uh, from December of 90 through November of 97. So wow. um, I coached the plebe lightweights that spring, spring of 91. And again, finding another job, I ended up working in the Naval Academy ticket office um, uh, that summer. And I'm just like hanging out in Rick Clothier, then kind enough to let me uh, tag along to the IRA with the men heavyweight men in the in that spring and um i'm working at a ticket office and in august um the women's coach just resigned right just leaves and school starts in a couple of weeks and so they uh um again being at the right place at the right time they said well can you do this i'm like sure rick was like well, i think martin can do it and uh they hired me as an interim uh for the year and uh that following year in the spring of 92, the varsity eight won the dad veil. I was coaching the women and we won the dad veil for the first time. And uh, again, I'm back and I'm helping out with the men for the IRA. And I'm like, Rick, um, is there any idea what's going on with me? Are they going to hire me? And they said, yeah, they'd already made that decision like three weeks earlier, a month earlier. They just hadn't gotten back to me. <laughs> so then I was off and I was coaching the, the women. It was a, the Navy boathouse is, it was a great place. It just, there was so much going on and great knowledge. Um, between the men's coaches and the women's coaches, lightweight coaches, like watching each other practice during the day and coming in after practice and talking about what we saw and whatnot. It was just a great learning experience. What a, what a fun time to be at the Naval Academy. Yeah. Um, I mean, what were some of the coaches that passed through that, that time frame, that those five or six years that you were there? Oh, wow. Okay, that's a good question. So um, Rick Clay was the men's heavyweight coach. Pat Manning was the lightweight coach. Um, uh, let's see, Chris Clark, who's now at Wisconsin, he was yep. helping coach at the, at the plebe heavyweights along with Dan Lyons at Navy. And, uh, like I remember Rick telling like, Chris, you got to drive to Wisconsin and see if you can be Randy, uh, coach of Blonick's assistant coach or whatnot. And I think Chris got in his VW bus and drove uh, out to Madison and you know the rest is history so <laughs> it was pretty good so you got those are those are some pretty heavy names I know Dan is still in the area he still lives yeah. in Annapolis um 
what a what a what a funny connection. I mean, Chris Clark. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're talking like you're talking just just a legend of uh, yeah. of Wisconsin out there. And I love that I can see it now in this old beat up VW bus just hauling ass to go to Wisconsin. <laughs> like I want I want a yeah. job. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, you know, I think things were a little bit different back then, right? It was like you did stuff like like. I got in my car and drove across country to be in an in, in intern, right? Like, you know, there's no phones. There was you know, uh, Google Maps or anything. It was like, okay, let's try to figure out how to get cross country and, and do it. So, um, so yeah, so that was it. And then, uh, you know, it was a great experience. And the other thing was I would work with the women and then uh, I would help, help with the men up for the IRA as they prep because women's season was usually done and I would help prep for the help the men with the IRA. So I got a really great exposure all around. Now, you, you've been coaching women now for your entire career. Um, right. Do you do you um, do you still get a chance to, to get involved with men's rowing at all? Uh, not very much. Um, yeah, no, no, I guess. I mean, I watch no. our men's club row by here and but I don't do I don't really get involved all that. So you're, you're there until 97 and then you get this opportunity that you're currently at right now, Notre yeah. Dame. So how on earth did that come about? Uh, well, in the summer of 97, I think this is right. Yeah, in the summer of 97, Notre Dame decided to elevate, or prior to that, decided to elevate their women's rowing program to a varsity status, along with a bunch of other programs at that time, right? Uh, I think Michigan had gone a couple of years earlier and Ohio State. That's when you see that great blossoming of women's rowing just like take yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my wife and I decided like, well, let's give it a shot. And so I applied. I think it helped that my sport administrator at Navy or one of the people I worked with at Navy, it was a Notre Dame grad. And oh, I think wow. they, put some, they put some good words in for me. And it's, uh, I went out and interviewed and uh, uh, came out and they ended up, uh, somehow I fooled them enough to accept me and uh, they hired me. And uh, my wife and I come out, they've hired me. We've come out to look for a place to live in like mid-October, right? And my wife sees the boathouse and the boathouse at that time was just a shed. Essentially it was a long building in the shed. It's just, and my wife doesn't row, I met her in Annapolis. She's not involved in rowing. So her frame of reference was just the Navy boathouse. And she's all, what, what did you just do? <laughs> but, that's a shock. I mean, that's a, that's a what's yeah. funny enough is that you were so lucky to have had that boathouse very early in your career. I mean, right. but what you had at Notre Dame was like what 90% of rowing has in general, right? Right, right. And it's so uh, it was just, it was just, uh, it's kind of like, well, this is what we think we can do this in the waterway, as you said, like, at Navy it can be a little cold and rough. Uh, here are it can be cold, but our waterway is usually pretty nice that we can row almost any day. If it's not frozen, we can get out. Um, so you, so when you get this job, you must be thirty or thirty-one years old, right? When you get when you land this job in Notre yeah, Dame, yeah, yeah, that's a pretty young. That's a pretty young head coach, especially right. for something that's just starting. Right. Well, I think some of it had to be like I think there's a lot of shared characteristics between the Naval Academy and Notre Dame, so I had that experience, right? And, uh, and uh, I came in as a great supported staff. Although they didn't know anything about rowing, um, and just kind of said, "Okay, here's what you can do," and 
you know, don't over, I had, I had a couple, there was like three main points. It was like, don't overspend your budget. Don't break any rules. And if you can help the men's club by some way, making this work, like see if you can do that. And so um, we just used those as our guideposts and kind of, kind of went from there and um, finagled and uh, kind of got it going. So. So at that time, I would imagine since you're new, you're new really running a program that's branded, like you're, you're right. building it up. Were you leaning on like guys like Dan Lyons, Manning, and I, I Chris Clark for support? I think I talked to, like I talked to Rick Clothier a lot and some other people. Uh, I think BB had just moved, um, BB was at Georgetown. When I was at, at uh, Brioni's at St. Mary's, BB was at Mills and then she went to like Georgetown. I went to Navy. Then she went to, I went to, I went here and she came to Wisconsin. So uh, I talked to those and um, I think a lot of the other coaches, that, uh, especially the women's coaches or coaches that were getting started, we just started, we were kind of all in this together and like figured it out. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you said the booming of, of women's rowing. So yeah, like there are a handful of coaches that, you were kind of working together, right? Because right. we all have the same goal, like let's build rowing, let's change lives. Sure. And it's all new. So there were struggles involved with a large institution like Notre Dame, right? Because yeah. it's easy for football. You have a insane history at Notre Dame. You have an insane history for basketball. So what were some of the struggles early on of building that rowing program? Uh, it's interesting. I think, well, some of the shows like getting people that like, Hey, um, we're starting a rowing program here. Do you want to try to recruit like getting kids into getting people? Like, it's a big, uh, it's a commit to go into an unknown. Right. Um, I think that was it. I leaned, uh, interestingly within the, besides the, the, the other programs you mentioned at Notre Dame, they're like, we were really like our women's soccer had just won the national championship and, uh, there were other teams that were ranked in the top 20. So I was able to talk to those coaches at Notre Dame. Uh, the women's lacrosse had started like two years before. So I was able to touch base with them. I think the biggest thing was to just get people like, okay, we can do this. And we did it with a mixture of recruits and then walk-ons. And uh, we are very uh, careful um, how we did that, especially on the very first year. On the first year, the novices did their own thing. And um, the previous club people, um, we had incorporated them, but it was like our whole, our goal in the first year was to make sure that the first years had a really great experience and felt confident they can compete with these schools. So um, the upper class got, got, it, got it handed to them pretty a lot, but the first years were able to to hold their own. And so when they became sophomores and then juniors and seniors, they had a little bit more confidence. This whole, like, we can do it, right? This camaraderie, right. this building up a team. How long did it take for you to start to see the results of that? Like really starting to see the team get rally behind that concept? Um, let's see, so we made those two. I think we just made the, so our first spring season would have been 99. Uh, and they had some, a little bit of success. 2000. So we just missed the NCA as an at-large aid in 2001, like barely. I think we were the last, we were the next to the last. Uh, and then in 2002, we made the NCAs in the varsity eight as an at-large in the varsity eight. Um, and I think that was like, okay, we, like we can be, we can do something and people uh, within the pre team are like, okay, 
and part of that camaraderie and uh, community is that's just central to Notre Dame. So it wasn't a big stretch to like, it's not a big stretch to incorporate that into our team. Did that make a, did that have a huge impact on the other coaches around you? Like the other coaches in Notre Dame, like, you know, you're, you're seeing huge success in other sports. Do they get really excited for you getting to the NCAA? Yes. I mean, we're all excited. Like yesterday we had head coaches meeting and uh, our fencing had just won the ACC and everybody's like cheering for them and whatnot. So uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's been like that throughout. Like we're all supportive of one another. Right? We know, we know what, we know what it's really hard and uh, yeah. to do it is really special. So in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands, and you compare it to today, I want to talk about the walk-ons because I just don't think it's the same anymore. I think there's so much information out there. How much of a difference has it been getting walk-ons 2022 versus 20 years ago? Yeah, we'll take COVID out of it. I think even pre yeah. Yeah, COVID, COVID yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's much, it's more difficult, right? Um, and we, we noticed that we used to consider like we'd get like one or two kids a year out of the walk-on program that would be top 16 like they could contend for the top 16 uh definitely by the time they were sophomores and be involved in it and now that's just that's not it's like one every couple years um wow. so it's, it's changed and now part of it is the uh to get into here is pretty tough so it's it's pretty special um so i think that's changed and uh, you're probably seeing it more at more of the select private schools than you might be seeing at the big state schools, but still it's there. Right? They're just people might not, they might, there's money, there's much more interest to do. So what's uh, like, what's your team size then at this point? Like how many athletes do you have? We're at 55 to 60. We're a pretty large team. And, and, and how many of those are, are, are recruited on a consent? Like how many of those are those recruited athletes? Uh, probably 70%. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot different than I thought. So, right. wow. So, yeah, so it, it varies. It, it varies by class year. And wow. it's a little so, odd this year with the COVID. So we're trying to, or is it still like COVID is really just trying to figure out, the, figure it of out. Of course. Now, now over those, over those, over these 20 plus years, um, gosh, what, 25, 26 years. Yeah. What has been like, what has been your, can you think back to like your favorite era, your favorite thing? And you can just tell me now, but, or you just say, what's, what's a fond memory from Notre Dame in the last 25 years? From Notre Dame or Notre Dame rowing? Just Notre Dame rowing, just Notre Dame rowing. Like um, what has been the fondest time? I think, like, I think the start, spring of 2006, uh, when our varsity, we won the South Central regatta in the varsity eight race which at the time was probably um, as competitive a reg women's regatta as any in the country so it had all the big 10 teams all the acc teams uh all the big 12 teams all those teams trying to compete for uh, to get an ncaa bid because it was still at large then and um our varsity eight did that and they ended up finishing seventh at the ncaa's i think that was like uh it was just a great moment right it was like um I just remember, I remember this. I think that um, that was pretty, that was pretty good. I think the four, spring of 14, when the, all three of our boats finished, like we finished ninth at the NCAs. 
um, that was that was pretty special. So yeah, for uh, that's that really is special. I mean, ninth place overall, uh, 2014. What an incredible time to be at Notre Dame, right? Yeah. And because like, like what I'm seeing now is like women's rowing is the most competitive it's ever been. I mean, you see oh. these teams, these athletes, these women that row. I mean, like they're Olympians for goodness sakes. Like they're national team contenders, and. Yeah. A big difference from like 06 to 2014 and even today is international recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. So how much international recruiting is Notre Dame doing at this point? Uh, we do very little. Um, uh, it's, again, part of it, some of it is uh, financial, right? In order to be, a, if you're here as an international student, you have to be able to we have essentially be a full, a full ride for us. And that's a strong commitment. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. But do you, you notice a lot of other schools, though, that continually be successful at the higher level recruit internationally? I mean, does, does that does that is that conversation happening internally at Notre Dame? Uh, it does. I mean, it goes back and forth. And, we're, and we've had success with with uh, some of the internationals we brought in. It's just really it's it's pretty special. The, the academic requirements, uh, the financial requirements. And then this place is just a little, it's a little different, so. Hmm. It's a little different, I like that. Now, over your, over like, there's, I'm thinking like people that have been with one program for as long as you have, there's just not that many nowadays. No, I think, I think, I think there's like five or six of us, at least on the women's side, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what has what has kept you going year after year at Notre Dame? Because, like, I, I look. I mean, let's be frank. When you find success like you did in, in 2006, 2014, there are other programs that I would imagine that would be courting you, but here you are staying for 25 plus years. Yeah, I, I, it's just it's it fits me, right? I think any successful coach team relationship like the the coach philosophy the team philosophy the athletic department philosophy the university philosophy is they all fit together then, then there's great synergy and it works and i just um it it works uh i think that's it i think my wife and i enjoy it here we've raised two children so um uh so yeah are they, um, I don't know how old your children are, but are they like at college level or are they older? So one has graduated from the Ohio State University. So that would be our second favorite school in the house. So, <laughs> Kate Sweeney. Uh, Kate I Sweeney, love it. yes, yes. Kate gives me grief because like when Jack went, Jack's my son, when he went there, I talked to the wrong coach, yeah, Robbie and that. so yeah, but yes. Um, so I give them grief that like when I was paying tuition, I just remember part of my tuition is paying your, paying your salary. <laughs> so, uh, and then I have a son who's uh, a junior in high school. So, oh, wow. So you, I mean, you're, you're in the thick of it, man. You're, yeah. you're, that's pretty, uh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. So um, I don't actually talk a lot about this with college coaches because I know the high school level commitment, like high school coaches, I know the hours they work. What kind of like hourly commitment is at the collegiate level, especially at like a Notre Dame big time school. Is this is this all day every day for you? Uh, there's probably not a day goes by that I'm not thinking about something about the rowing program. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good sign, so, right? So, like this morning, let's see. This morning we had lift already, uh, lift in erg session at at seven to eight thirty, and then we'll go on the water today from four to six thirty. Then we'll do some wrap up, like coaching stuff, and then. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's probably two or three days a week, and then we'll train on Saturday. So. And then, so, so what, so um, like, how large is your staff? Like, I'm trying to understand, like, are you like three, three deep or what's, what's your right. staff? Like? Um, so there's myself and three assistant coaches. And then we have a, a boatman who takes care of the, the equipment. And so. You are I, extremely lucky for a guy that yes. works on boats all day long. I can right. tell you, you are extremely fortunate to have a boatman. Right. Right. Yes. Wow. So. Who are, who are your uh, assistants at Notre Dame? Um, so Marnie Stahl is our associate head coach, and she's been here about 16 years. So she's been here a long time with me. Wow. And then uh, Teresa Logeman has been here, I think, six years as assistant coach. And then Jamie, uh, now Valentine, um, uh, has been here about five. How important do you think it is to have that longevity with your coaching staff? Like, I see a lot of coaching staffs rotate a lot, but you have someone there 16 years, seven years, five years. Yeah, I think it's like you just start to know each other. So there's stuff that I don't have to worry about anymore, right? And um, I feel that confident that they will tell me like, hey, I'm being an idiot. So I think that that's kind of important, right? <laughs> uh, um, so th I think that's it. And then we just, things just, you just don't have to worry about some stuff. Stuff just gets done and it gets taken care of, so. We have a lot of we have a lot of young women that watch our podcast that like right. lean in to learn a little bit about a coach. What what right. is your ideal candidate for someone to row at Notre Dame? What are you looking for in an athlete? And I and I want to know like okay. and personalities and all that. Like sure. what, how do you fit it? Okay, so I think um, number one is well, number one is academics. You got to be able to to handle the academic load. So that's so then once you go beyond that, like you have to put the team first. Um, our motto is team teammate self. Uh, you have to put the team first. And then uh, beyond that, like when you come to visit, like how do you fit in with our team? Uh, what's the vibe? And so those are the kind of the, the unmeasurables, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, like we want you to be, a, you said athlete, right? We want you to be an athlete. So I think it's helpful if you've played another sport. Oh, right. I'm not, we're not sold on the, um, like the person that's rode four years and has done all this. Like, have you played another sport or how athletic are you? I think that's important. Now we've had equal success with, with people that have rode and, and have rode, but, um, being an athlete, is like, whether you play basketball, volleyball, whatever, being an athlete, and then you row, it's, it's, it's pretty important. So, uh, earth scores vary. It just depends on where where you're from and uh, you know what your background. Some some people don't row very often, right? Or they they're just rowing the spring and they have one erg score. Like okay, uh, we've actually started leaning more on on the minute work. I know in your your rowing league you do the minute race stuff. We've yeah. actually started looking more towards that. I think it's a pretty good predictor of of um, at least potential. Can I, can I just stop you for a second? This might be the most proud moment I have had ever at Rower's Choice. And this was not provoked, by the way. I just want to point this out for everyone listening. Right. We have a rowing coach at the highest possible level saying that he actually looks at the minute score. I can't tell you, this is a huge moment for me, Martin Stone. <laughs> I love that. What about the minute is so intriguing to you as a crew coach? Uh I think for us, it, especially if you haven't rode a lot, you don't, if you don't do a lot of 2Ks, or the minute there's a little less strategy involved in it, right? You just go at it for a minute and let's see. 
Um, the 2K, like you can fly and die and you get a bad score and uh, whatnot. I think the, the minute is just seems more like uh, aggressive and what you're going. And then we've done the minute work for a number of years, probably gosh, 10, 15 years. And so we know what the minute scores look like to the 2K and pretty much most of the time, the fast minute people are going to have a fast 2K. <laughs> well, it's like, it's pure right? power, right? It's, right? Yes. And the slow minute people are not going to have a fast 2K. So <laughs> if I'm going to err, we're going to err on the, on the side of the minute. Now, both can be, both can be learned, both can be worked on. And we, we've had people develop their minutes over time when they're here. Um, uh, I think between the 10 stroke max watts test, the minute test, the 2K and the 6K, you can get a good idea of what somebody looks like and uh, physiologically, and then you can adjust some training to help to help shore some areas up. I love that. Now you said earlier you really like athletes, you like you really like athletes. You like women for for rowing that do other sports. Um, are you? I guess I would say, assuming that you're not a believer in specializing, that you want to see someone do other sports, right? Yes, I mean, uh, some of our best success, like, so Amanda Polk, who is our, uh, graduated in 08 and made the, uh, won the gold medal at 2016 in the Olympics, right? Been on the national team, um, played basketball in high school, dabbled in rowing, right? I think if you look at our national team, that that plays out, that they were multiple sport athletes and then picked up rowing somewhat late or they're doing different things in, in, in high school. So, um, and no, I, that, there was a time, there was a time like when I was growing up, specializing was all the rave, right? right. This like these, cause I, so I was born in 85. Okay. And so I'm, there, there, there's my age reference. You started sure. college at 85, ha ha ha. But you, I had parents on the football team, on the basketball team, baseball team, like yelling at their kids, this is all you're doing. You know, this specialized, right. specialized, specialized. And I'm so uh, it, it warms me knowing that you as a college coach don't want that. You don't want, you know, you, you would take a great rower, but you right. want to also find the person that's done a lot more than that. Right. I mean, it's growth. Like there's a lot of time to grow in college. Right. And I think like some of the, like in the past, some of the kids who maybe were cut from the junior national team um, couldn't make the junior national team. So uh but they just didn't have that the junior national team to select in the summer. You just don't have a lot of time to develop, right? And then they get to college and they now they're in a program where they're going, you know, nine months and consistent coaching and they blossom and develop. So um, I just think that we're doing this. If you just if you eliminate those kids, you're gonna you're gonna do a disservice. How about how about sculling? So high school there's just not a lot of it and we're starting right. to see more of it and, and consistency of it. Um, are you looking for the, the rower that can do it all? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fine. I mean, we don't skull very much here, but if you're a sculler and you're a rower, then yeah. And you're, you're athletic and you, um, you can make the conversion. We've had people do it. Everybody's had people do it and they have a different little bit different boat field. So, um, usually in the work and the pairs, they were actually pretty good in the pairs in the fall when we do the pairs work. Uh, they just have a bow feel, right? Yeah, right. 
Now, as a coach that appreciates the one minute, something popped in my head. Um, do you do you adjust your training that you're just not all volume? Because I hear a lot of coaches like we're doing 20K, 30K a day. Do you incorporate these short, hard power pieces and you're just not doing long, low steady states? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, we probably do probably 75 to 80% of our stuff is steady state, but the rest is power and go, right? And so, yeah. And it, and it falls all over the place. And it also depends on the time of the year and what's going on. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, it just depends. We're trying to uh, we try to provide a pretty well balanced program, and uh, so there's good development. Right? We're about developing. That can you come in at one level, and can you exit? Can you graduate at a different level? So uh, something that uh, also popped in my head a little bit is um, we're getting over sort of like this uh, hangover of the, of COVID, and a lot of coaches left the sport of rowing in 2021 and 2022, have you found a, revital a revitalization? Like, are you now more energetic for rowing than ever before now that we're out of that and getting into bigger, bigger stuff? Oh yeah. I think also I draw it from the team, right? The team was just, so, you know, we closed down. I know exactly what it was. We just had, we had had a phenomenal practice on March 13th in 2020. We're at spring break probably the best practice both Marnie and I had seen in a number of years, like the boats were good and we were going to race that following weekend. We closed down and go home. Right. And drag out that spring. And then Notre Dame says, Hey, we're coming back in the fall. We're bringing everybody back. We're like, okay, now let's try to figure out how we're going to run a rowing program out of that. Right. Yeah. So um, all of 20 and 21, it was, it was pretty sterile in the training. Right. It was like the team couldn't be together. And that really hurt, that hurt us as a, as a, a team. Like Notre Dame's about community and about being tight. And then when you, you have to kind of enforce those, although the university was, was open and everybody was back and having regular classes, it was still difficult. Um, but then we came back this fall, it was like uh, unbelievable. So it was great to see the team brought great energy and is like so appreciative about being together, being able to have meals together, uh, have practices together, like, um, things like that. So I thought that revitalized us. Like, okay, we're not slogging through it anymore. I thought that 2021 was just the, just to survive. Just okay, let's get boats in the water and race. But it wasn't. It wasn't a great experience. And and your 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 motto, team teammates self. I mean, I, I think that probably helped carry a lot of those athletes through the dark times right. of COVID, right? right? Oh yes. I think also in like we talked earlier about the walk-ons. Um, like we had our, we put out one day last spring, we put out like six eights, just because it, we were the only place that you could kind of gather together as a group, right? So, uh, so that was, I think, it was an interesting byproduct. We had a lot of, we had a lot of people rowing, so. So what is the, what is the future of, of Notre Dame rowing look like to you right now? What, what, what do you see happening uh, next couple of years? Uh, I think it looks pretty good. We have a really strong junior class and, um, some, uh, and I think that's, they're kind of the leading the charge right now. Uh, and there's probably like 15 to 16 of those women are really just crushing it. And then strong sophomore, strong freshman, like probably our second fastest person right now on the earth is a freshman. Uh, wow. But like we said, a multi, she ran, she swam and ran cross country in high school and rode a little bit. Right. And then wow. like, and where, where is she from? Where did, where did uh, she, Michigan. 
Michigan. Michigan. Yep. Do you and, pull a lot of athletes from the Midwest or, or do you have a nice balance across the whole country? Uh, we're pretty balanced across the country, I think. So um, it just depends on the year, I think. We're like, are you the right person? Like I said, you know, academically, are the great fit and then the right person. And it doesn't really matter where you're from. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot here. Uh, let's pretend I'm 17, 18, and I need to go to college. Mm-hmm. And I just pulled a 715. Why sell me on Notre Dame? Why am I going to go to Notre Dame and bring my talents and, and my focus to, to rowing there? You're going to get a great educational experience. It's going to be three-pronged. Um, so the academics, right? You'll be able to study uh, pretty much any major you want. So we have pr- quite a bit of quite a few people that are in our STEM. So either there's uh, you know, they're pre-med doctors or the school of engineering. And then we have a great business school, um, uh, athletics, uh, tremendous athletic department, uh, one of the best and a leading athletic department in the country. Uh, so I think that's it. And then I think probably the most thing that differentiates us from a lot is I talked about earlier is the community, right? You're going to come in and you're going to be part of Notre Dame, not Notre Dame rowing, Notre Dame. So when you come in as a freshman, you're going to move into a dorm and you're going to have a roommate from somewhere else in the country who most likely will not be a rower, not be an athlete. Um, and you're going to immerse yourself in that community and be part of that community and that family. So that's it. That's it. <laughs> the three prong approach. I think the thing that sold me the most, Marty, after talking to you all this time is is the team, the teammates and self. I, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've interviewed a lot of people over the last couple of years and no one has said it that way. Like everyone talks about community. Everyone talks about the culture, but they don't define the culture. And you define it as a priority, the team, the teammates. Right. And then, uh, Marty, thank you for doing this to, with me today. Sure. I had a blast learning. I love that. I, I love that you found rowing as an overweight, tall freshman yeah. and you built a career out of coaching and you've been with the same program for 25 plus years. Yeah. I wish you all the luck and everyone tuning in. Uh, if you want to learn more about Notre Dame rowing, there's going to be links everywhere. We promise you. And we can get you in touch with Marty Stone and to learn more about what they're doing out there at Notre Dame. So thanks for tuning in. This is another podcast with Rowers Choice. Marty, thanks for being here. Now. See you. Uh, thanks.